Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finding. Alright guys, welcome to Petri Dish, I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. So guys, this episode inaugurates a series that we're calling Side Quests. Yes indeed. Um, they're vignettes that are scientific in nature, about cool little historical happenings in the world of science, fun little mass poisonings, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a situation where occasionally I'll come across a story or some kind of little scientific alleyway that's not long enough for me to make a full episode about. Right. But that is Deserves. fun and sometimes current and sometimes not at all current and not in the zeitgeist, but right. whatever. And it's just like, I want to talk about them with you. Yeah. So we're making this new thing. And every once in a while, we're just going to pepper it in. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys. Well, what's on today's agenda? Right. So I've titled this side, qu side quest number one, Frenchmen and Killer High Schools. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much. Let's get into the episode and let's talk about each one of those things. Sean, so uh, Frenchman's very vague. There's more than a few. Um, which Frenchman are we talking about yes. today? There are more than two Frenchmen, but we are yeah. talking specifically about two of them. Yeah, dude. Uh, Béchamp and Pasteur. So uh, Béchamp is less famous than Pasteur. We all know Pasteur. Béchamp sounds like a punk ass. Now, so, so how did you come yeah. across this man? So in a recent episode about arsenic, I briefly mentioned this French dude, Pierre-Jacques-Antoine Béchamp, who synthesized this organo-arsenic compound that was used for a bit in the treatment of parasites. So bad start, right? So this was way back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. What I didn't mention about this dude is he was like in a huge fucking ridiculous fight with Louis Pasteur, who was the guy who refined pasteurization and who was a major proponent of germ theory. Right. right? Germ theory at the time, of course, being a new theory... Pretty controversial. I mean, not, it's not like everyone was on the same page immediately. Right. You not can't even see germs. Yes. I mean, we had some microscopes and everything like that. But, like, the idea that there are these sort of invisible pathogens everywhere in the air and on all the right. surfaces. And that these are the things making us sick with disease. Right. You can imagine, like, 1870. That sounds like ghost shit. Man, that yes. sounds like wacky talk. Right. And, you know. Some people still don't believe in it. <laughs> That's true, and we'll get to that a little bit more later. Yeah. But basically, Béchamp was on one, one of those side. guys. He did not believe in germ theory. He thought it was gobbledygook. Yeah, he pointed out that there are microorganisms outside the body that just mind their own business or do helpful stuff. He was right. saying, okay, look, there's bacteria that help plants fix nitrogen. There's stuff that makes booze and bread right. the delicious things that they are. So he kind of like maybe went a little logical ad absurdum. He was just like... These are good microbes. Microbes can't cause disease. Right. He was saying that, like, in the state of nature, microbes exist. Right. But are 
at worst neutral to right. people. And He's in a, some cases, a, we've harnessed them for good. He was a Rousseauian, uh, or a Lockean, maybe. He was a Lockean biologist. And instead said that diseases of humans right. are caused by humans. Right. That issues within the body cause disease because there are times where the internal balance in our bodies are thrown out of whack. Right. And that that being out of whack, fuck up the microzymos. Okay, so let's put a hat real quick on microzymos. <laughs> so part of that sounds like kind of a weird, like kind of industrial era remix of the humors. But part of that also sounds kind of reasonable, right? I yeah. mean, like, I don't know, like in the vaguest terms of body out of whack, that doesn't sound like insane. Right. And also, if you go to a doctor with a lot of kind of chronic issues. Yeah, they're like, like your body's any, out of whack. Pretty much any chronic issue. The doctor's going to tell you a few main things up top, which yeah. is you should exercise, you should eat a well-balanced diet, well, you should try to sleep on time. Well, and if you're a woman, probably that you need a husband or something. Oh, God. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying a lot of doctors are like that. I mean, Stacy, like, once had what I think, I can't remember if, I can't remember if it turned out to be like, um, Stacy, what'd you have? Um, it's like Lyme disease or something, right? Oh, sci- sci- uh, sciatic? No. Oh, it's a nerve one. Yeah. Chicken yeah, it, pox. It's the chicken pox thing. Yeah. Fuck. What is that called? I can't remember. Oh, what? Anyway, point is, so Stacy had some whack-ass real people disease that the three of us can't for the life of us remember the name of. And just like the first two doctors were like, eh, you're a woman. Your eggs, they're probably spinning. <laughs> you know, like, it's so fucking exasperating. Uh, yes, okay. So, there is an element of what I just said about his opinions. Right, but That then, does not sound so crazy. But, we're talking, all of a sudden, this word microzymus come out. Right, so... Uh, what are they? For, for listeners that maybe remember some biology stuff from school. <laughs> you, I thought you were going to say remember some biology from Star Wars. Well, it's just you might be wondering what the fuck a microzymus is because that's not a word you learn in school. Right, we weren't taught that. There's a reason. Yes. Microzymas are kind of like midichlorians from Star Wars in a sense. And just to be sure, this is just an idea that he proposed. Right. right? He was proposing that there is something smaller than a cell that gives rise to life and the structure of an organism. Right, kind of like strings in physics. Not real. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Um, But... The idea is somewhat similar to the idea of enzymes. In the sense that, like, microzymas were supposed to go around, they have a function. Right. They're impacted by their environment, like the pH and other shit. Yeah. Right? But again, this is, like, a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a charitable comparison. Because enzymes are definitely real. Yeah, and microzymas were imbued in his sort of hypothesis, were imbued with powers that we don't think anything has. Right. Like, for example, microzymas in our body, he is suggesting that Basically, they're reacting to our cellular environment. And so when our internal state is good, microzymas do good stuff, like make our cells. Right. But when our internal state is bad, like if you eat bad food or don't exercise enough, then the microzymas do bad stuff, like create bacteria in our bodies that make us sick. Right. And this is just not, this just doesn't reflect reality. Right. It's just not real. Right. Unfortunately for this hypothesis... Almost nothing in the world matches up to that. Right. right. Bacteria are not created in our body out of anything smaller than the bacteria. That's that's simply not how right. any cells are made. Right. This is as real as saying that a penis is actually an alien organism that slowly lands and attaches to your body at birth. 
It's Whoa. just not what a penis is. That's kind of cool, though. But yeah, I, yes, yes, you're right. That's not what a penis it's is. It's just as I, real as I that now, penal hypothesis. I now wish that that hypothesis were possible because that's kind of awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just that's just fucking like not how it works. So, for right. example, we know very clearly now that there are environmental microorganisms that have existed for a long time that we can like still find spores of from like thousands of years ago that can infect humans right. okay, from the outside in. So we know that germ theory is at the very least true. Right. Bichamp is just simply wrong. Right. Now, the interesting thing to take out of what Bouchant was coming from is that there's an element of that that does make sense so long as you don't take it too far, right? The idea that our internal state does matter when it comes to illness is actually true and a kind of more nuanced holistic analysis right. that germ theory doesn't really do, right? With germ theory, it is that illness is caused by these external pathogens, right? But it is definitely the case that. For example, your internal state can make you more susceptible Hell, to those even pathogens. even stress, right? I mean, yeah, like... absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And right. so that, that's what I'm saying is that I do think that Bouchant actually has an interesting idea right. in part. It's that the microzymas don't really make sense. Right. But there's a lot of microbiome work that has exploded over the last few right. decades that, you know, kind of tweaks how we view microbes in our bodies as well. I, I like your use of the word holistic earlier because you can have good holistic thinking yeah and you could have some pretty stupid holistic thinking yeah like holistic medicine yeah well so the interesting thing holistic is an idea where you're trying to look at yeah. things holistic can be an adjective or it could be some dumbass shit that's being sold <laughs> in venice beach well then i guess all i'm saying is that holistic is about looking at the whole thing including all of its parts and how they're interacting with each yeah. other but or, or it could be looking at the whole of science and picking out the dumb stupid discarded <laughs> ideas and writing online blogs about yeah it. I'm, I'm just you have to be careful about what you put in your hole yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so look uh, a lot of alternative medicine theories that are crackpot yes. draw from Bouchon. Yes. Pasteur ended up winning, and Bouchamp maybe unfairly got, like, very erased from history books. Right, right, right. He maybe didn't deserve to get erased that hard sure, because he did like, other science stuff. Yeah, what, what's the joke about that? It's like you do all sorts of good, but you just f one horse. <laughs> <laughs> right? And now you're the horse <laughs> The Bouchamp's a horse <laughs> Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> so he and his ideas get brought up from time to time by anti-medicine and alternative medicine people, sometimes because they want to discount germ theory despite, like, it literally just being obviously true. You know, and I bet you it's all sorts of people he wouldn't even liked in his real life. They're oh, all, yeah. He would, he would have thought all those hippies were stinky. Yeah. And he's he would have been uncomfortable with how many stinky modern hippies. Yeah, I'd like to believe that uh, Bouchamp, despite, you know, I think actively hating Pasteur, yeah. would, given the evidence that we have now, right. would have to say, like, okay... I was not correct about certain elements of my theory. Right. But, but look at that. Yeah. And then yeah. He, he, would, he would tweak it. And yeah. I think he would have tweaked it right. in a way that ultimately would have been very similar to what we now sure. believe. I mean, in the defense of this guy, in this moment in time, yeah. they're just competing theories yeah. that then have to, you know, you got to do the crucible of science and then see what survives. Right. And it happened to be germ theory. But it's like, you can't blame him for people being crazy now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And definitely... <laughs> Every time that he comes up in, like, a blog post or, like, a really shitty book that gets published, yeah. it is to fuel the crazy people. Because right, right. the way that they use his theories are fully insane. Right. And it's a huge bummer. Right, well, let's so, take a break. Yes. Because then we got to get into some other really crazy shit. Um, mass brain tumors. 
Degracio High. <laughs> That's yeah. confusing because the high school has a real once, name. Once we, once, yes. Well, once we come back from the break, we're going to travel to New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get ready for Jersey. Yeah. We were just in France, and now we're going to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, what's the only stankier-ass place? <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. See, now our next episode is going to be like in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want to go to Florida. I guess the panhandle, really. I don't want to go there. Okay, okay, okay. Let's take a break. Sean here. As you guys know, I'm a great scientist and a loyal lover. But I am ugly, and because of that, my beautiful friends periodically spit on me. Studies prove that good-looking folks are black holes of empathy, incapable of the basic acts of kindness that make civilization possible. If only they could get beaten with an ugly stick, and finally understand the world as we ugly people live it. Now, there's the perfect service for your beautiful friends. Ugly Stick. You sign up for the service, and empathy artists will arrive at your friends' apartments or homes, extreme makeover style. They uglify your friends so that they can internalize all of the things we uggos go through every day. Your friend will become a more conscientious person, beautiful inside and out, thanks to you and to Ugly Stick. So sign up today. Make the world a more beautiful place by making your friends uglier. All right, guys, we're back. Um, so, so you guys have all been to high school. Probably. Not all of us. Probably most of us, though. Yeah, I think so. Most of us have been to high school, and you think of high school as a kind of cancerous, toxic place. Yes. But what if I told you one high school really was a cancerous Much place? Much more so than normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is Colonia High School, and there has been something that... I like how it sounds like a sci-fi colony. The Colonia High School Cluster. Yeah. Okay. So way back in the late 90s, early 2000s, which is now like decades ago, unbelievably, an environmental scientist found out that he had a brain tumor. Right. It was benign, but a benign brain tumor is actually a pretty malignant. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing. The word benign in science has a pretty specific meaning. Right. But in the broad sort of lexicon, benign normally means safe. Right. 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 That does not. Not dangerous. That is not true of a brain tumor. Right. That's not true of brain tumor. And uh, there's a... So, for example, I had a blood clot. Yeah. Right? The kinds of doctors that specialize in blood clots are called uh, benign hematologists. Right. Blood clots are not benign. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's just they're not just malignant. the doctors are nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, in any case, benign in medicine means something than the broader lexicon. Brain tumors are still very dangerous and cause a lot of problems. So, But he got it removed. He got a successful surgery. Brain tumor was removed. He's like, you know, I got unlucky, but I'm going to keep living my life. That's okay. Great. Hey, but the plot thickens. Dude gets married. And a while later, in 2021, last year, his wife gets a brain tumor. Okay. And not just that, in the same year, his sister also got a brain tumor. Wife survives, sister dies. Yeah, his wife's tumor was also benign. His sister was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is typically a pretty aggressive brain cancer. Okay? Right. It's the same rare brain cancer. That, that... that created John McCain. Oh, man. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it, it brought him into this world and it took him out too. It's the same brain cancer that John McCain died from the Republican Party. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, that's a scientific <laughs> that's name. Actually, that, that makes more sense than it should. Um, brain tumors and brain cancer are actually pretty fucking rare. So this guy was trying to figure right. out like, how is it that he had one, his wife had one, and his sister had one? That's very unlikely. Yeah, and so 
he was trying to think of like, okay, what do we have in common? Right. right. We're currently living in the same sort of area, but also another coincidence is that, or not even that much of a coincidence. It was right. his fucking sister. But like, he was fucking went, his sister. No, it, it was his sister wife. It, <laughs> it's a TV show. This is three people. <laughs> is um, this on Bravo? <laughs> they all went to the same sister high school. Wife. They all went to the same sister wife high school, <laughs> Colonia High School in New Jersey. It sounds like a sister wife high school. So he made this post on Facebook. Okay, and he was like, hey, alumna of Colonia High School. Did anyone else get any kind of rare tumors or cancers or anything like that? You know, Mark Zuckerberg should use this as an example. He's like one example of like how <laughs> so Facebook, Facebook is could good. Be good. <laughs> Facebook um, did this one thing, guys. So he makes this post on Facebook. Yes. Anyone else have rare brain cancers? Right. Which normally you'd hope would have not many replies. Yeah. But mostly just eggplant emojis. So far, <laughs> around a hundred people have responded saying they attended Colonia and have been diagnosed with a brain tumor. I want to give some context to this. Uh, my graduating class in Maricosta was 2,500 people. No one so far has got <laughs> brain cancer. Nailed it. All right, I mean, because, like, let's talk about what are the odds of, right. uh, what, what are the odds at all of people getting these brain cancers? So across the United States, one in 5,000 people will develop a brain cancer, or a brain tumor, I mean. Right. And two-thirds of those will be benign. Okay. Okay. Out of the 15,000 people who have graduated or worked in Colonia, that means by the stats, three of them should have had brain tumors. Right. AKA this dude, his <laughs> wife, and his sister. Very coincidental. <laughs> but actually, more than 100 have had the tumors, which is an incidence of one in 150. That's that is way, way more, yeah. right? Like that, That's like 30 times more frequent. Wow. Right? This is so that that's an way emerging more. story, and that's just brain tumors. Right. Seventy other people also responded, saying that they've been diagnosed with some other kind of tumor or cancer. Several of which are rare tumors and cancers, ones you don't normally find in people that right. often. One guy just replies, he's like, "I have syphilis." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is like, not you know, the I mean, Facebook post for that. Yeah, I appreciate you letting everyone know, though. He's like, you know, is there a cluster of syphilis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so look, that doesn't seem good. Yeah, right? Yeah, right, this, right. This is broadly not a good thing that you want to find out. Yeah. Um, this post and reaction to it have been pretty recent. Like, we're talking the past few months in 2022. Wow. And so... We're still trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, right? Like, I'm saying that in the past two weeks, they've done radon testing at the site and have sent those radon samples out to be examined. Okay? Holy shit. Radon is a kind of radioactive gas that can come from the decomposition, the breakdown of certain radioactive materials in soil. Okay? I would be perturbed if I was a current student there. Do you see some guy doing radon tests so, and you're like, uh, what's that about? There are, you can Google this colonia high school cluster yeah there are news articles from like two days ago being like parents feel like we should probably go back to remote learning because of all this <laughs> the school being like look we don't know what's causing this yeah. so it might be safe so maybe we should keep having students come in and yeah. parents are like we really think we should go back to remote learning yeah. because like you the, got the teachers gotta also want to do that right huh? because out of the people who responded it's not just students it's also staff members previous staff members people yeah. who worked at the school who have also had all of this happen right God, man okay That's so crazy and they've been checking for other, like, ionizing radiation sources, things like that. But out of all the things that can cause cancer, like, radiation is a big one. It's a good hypothesis. Not the only but one. But there's a lot of things that can do it. And so complete testing is presumably going to take a lot more time to kind of get a result back. Jeez, okay? dude. And just, like, realistically, you know, 
I call this a cluster. Yeah. And some news sources are calling it, quote, a cluster. A cluster technically needs to be declared one by the CDC. The mm. CDC hasn't done that yet because they're not sure. Yeah. Um, and they need to go through, they need to confirm all of these people's stories and everything like that because, like, Facebook and the internet, everyone lies, right? So, like, we, right. we need to go through, we need to confirm a lot of stuff. This is a very new story. That's but crazy, though, man. It is crazy, and it is, like, now, right? This isn't the story from, like, the 60s or something. Yeah. This is, like, right now a bunch of people have been getting brain tumors and it's maybe linked to this high school they went to that's so fucking bonkers dude yeah that's gonna be a netflix documentary because the only thing they can make anymore is true crime no but they're pretty good at it that's they're, true they've kind of nailed it that style of like nice like kind of cut sequences and stuff like that you know what i'm sad is i don't really like serial killer true crime oh, which yeah. means that there's basically 80 percent of everything made today doesn't appeal to me yeah on the other hand i love it so really? I, I, yeah, I just I'm I'm kind of it's it's not even that it's intrinsically immoral or anything. It's just I'm kind of bored of hearing about the son of Sam, you know, like. But David Berkowitz was hilarious because <laughs> he straight up thought a dog was telling him all kinds of funny things. So like that's, that's to me very amusing. But anyway, um, it's kind of like our relationship. I feel like I feel like I'm a dog. Just oh, like, you're the dog. Okay, yeah, I see. so I'm, I'm David Berkowitz. Yeah, yeah, you're the protagonist. Okay, well, yeah. but. See, Right. Is the that's dog the protagonist? I thought I, I personally think the dog's better than David Berkowitz. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would have liked to be the dog. Anyway. All right, all right. Well, let's take another break. Yes, and when um, we come back. I feel bad because we didn't introduce this story. It's I know, on your but title. It's, it's been a This secret. is your bonus. Yes, yeah. bonus story. Bonus story, guys. Irradiated balls, a prison story. Ooh. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, all right, all right. The following is an actual advertisement. Hi. My name is David Mendez and I host the Papa PhD podcast. Is it about parenthood? Not really, but it can be. Is it about the PhD? Not exclusively. It's about growing up during grad school and about the possibilities and best practices around starting to carve and shape your career path early on. Let's say you're asking yourself, what kind of job can I get with a PhD? Or telling yourself, no one hires PhDs outside academia. Well, then this podcast is for you. Tune in to Papa PhD every Thursday and listen to my guests' insightful stories of finding their way in academia, but also in entrepreneurship and in the most diverse sectors of the job market. Each week, I will cover themes ranging from work-life balance and mental health in grad school to advice on job hunting and career building. So go to papaphd.com or subscribe on your favorite platform to follow us every Thursday and to take part in the conversation. Okay, guys. So, you know, in the past, we've kind of talked about the way that insidious institutions can be abused by some scientists to do yeah. Nazi tests. We talked about yeah. that, especially with racism, right? right? Tuskegee would be a good example. Go back and listen to our scientific racism episodes because we talk about how racists definitely used science and tried to produce science to back up their yeah. racist views. And, and a lot of times that meant the exploitation of a lot of people, especially black people in the United States. But additionally, a lot of times on prisoners. Right. Prisoners are this kind of great tapped resource, right? They, they are definitely thought make, of as less than human. Yeah. You got license plates you need to make. You got scientific studies to do. Yeah. You got prisoners. I think there's a scientist who like a reporter was talking to in the 60s or 70s or something. And the scientist basically said, prisoners are great because they're cheaper than chimpanzees yeah. to do studies on. Well, that makes uh, sense. Which and is, you know uh, what? I bet you, I, I bet you a lot of people actually would agree with the implicit moral bias there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, which is a bummer. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a serious bummer to me. 
Uh, here at Petri Dish, we think of prisoners as human beings. Yeah, they I are. I don't know if that's controversial. I definitely <laughs> support experimenting on chimps before prisoners. Um... <laughs> We're in a tight spot here. We're in a tight spot. <laughs> it is, I don't, I don't it like... is interesting because, like, I feel like everyone should. I mean, technically, I think technically, I think most people would agree with that. But like, I don't like experimenting on chips either. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that the United States has phased out most chimp testing. Yeah. Uh, and I think actually you can't really do chimp testing. Yeah, it's anymore. only firearm companies that still test with chimps, right? <laughs> oh God, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's not shooting the chimps. It's actually to see if the chimps can shoot the guns. I, Dude, you read my mind. I was trying to think of a way to formulate that thought. Like, like if a chimp could use it, so could a kid. You know? <laughs> but the government says I can't use kids yeah, to test yeah, my fire. Yeah, yeah, the the Armalite testing facility is nothing oh but a bunch God. of chimps like shooting AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So all right. Look, all right. In the United States of America, there are federal laws that restrict the kinds of experiments that you can do involving prisoners. But those are kind of new laws. Yeah, fairly new. They, yeah. they trace back to like the 70s and 80s. Basically, right. they say that experiments have to be about crime or they're experiments that would specifically be geared toward making the life of prisoners better. Mm. Okay. So like you can do experiments on prisoners seeing like, oh, if we change their diet so that it has more fruits or something like that. Yeah. Do they have better health in prison and, you know, suffer from fewer illnesses while they're imprisoned or something like that? Like, you could do that kind of study. Right. But what you can't do is the kind of study that was definitely done in the 1960s that we're about to talk about. Okay. And there's a bunch of stories like this. This is just one specific instance of a terrible prison experiment that was done. Right. So in the 1960s, there are these two scientists, Dr. Carl Heller and Dr. C. Alvin Paulson. Yeah. And they got a research grant from the federal government. Okay, so this wasn't like, you know, secret yeah, private they, money or they anything. Went, the Atomic Energy Commission went to these two scientists and were like... Yeah, they were like, hey, here's $1.3 million. We would like you to do a study on the impact of what radiation might do to the dick and balls. Yeah. Okay. Presumably, this is because of worker safety. Like, I'm guessing that they were like, well, right. we have do workers we need to at nuclear plants. invest a little lead <laughs> yeah, piece. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that they were wondering that overall. I think but, there's just a guy sitting at uh, the AEC and was like, <laughs> what about dick and balls? <laughs> yes. Well, in any case, whatever the original intent was. Right, right. Paulson and Heller sit there and they're like, okay, well, I got this money to do this test. Yeah. Uh, whose dick and balls do I test? Right. So they recruited hundreds of prisoners, paying them $5 a month. Oh. Well, then, that. You, well, you, this is wrong, pay, then. Pay, paying them <laughs> so they, they pay them $5 a month. I mean, that could buy you a whole lollipop back then. $10 per biopsy. On their testicles. Yeah. And then also a $100 bonus at the end of the study. Okay? So that the scientists could basically do whatever they could do with their nuts plus radiation. Wow, Okay? Dude. And so the experiments went for about a decade. Oh, my God. Typically resulting in severely burnt dick and balls. <laughs> Testicular inflammation, oh my God. bleeding into the ball sack, oh my testicular God. cancer, and severely fucked up sperm. Ooh. Okay? Just like a trapezoid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and the, the, the swimmers are all swimming in circles and everything. They're very confused. Yeah. Okay. There's like omniboruses. So. Yes. Ouroboros? Ouroboros. Omniboruses. <laughs> Prisoners. <laughs> all boros. <laughs> Prisoners were not informed of the dangers because the scientists, and this is a literal quote, didn't want to frighten them. So wait a minute, though. So what does the scientist say to the prisoner? Prison, scientist is like, I'm going to pay you to biopsy your balls. 
Yes. How much dangers just doth one <laughs> need to inform? I mean, one, one would assume that after the first severe radiation burn they got on their nuts, they got some kind of idea of what was going on. But at the time, it wasn't common knowledge that something like irradiation could mess up your sperm. Sure. Right? So that was a part of the dangers they did not know about. Wow. The prisoners didn't know about. The scientists knew. Right. But several prisoners went on to have children after their release. Yeah. Post-study. And those children had severe birth defects. Wow. Because all of that sperm was severely fucked up. Wow. Genetically, right? So in 1995, the, the woke Clinton administration yes. weakened crime. Wait, no, weakened law and order. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> sure, by, by saying sorry. Yeah, yes. yeah. The Clinton yes. administration weakened law and order by saying sorry to these prisoners. <laughs> Great. Who were That's irritated. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, Let's yes. rephrase all this. Bill Clinton in, said sorry. Yeah, in 1995, Bill Clinton said sorry for blasting balls. He was saying sorry about a lot of stuff, but he That's also true. said sorry about this. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Dr. Paulson remained like pretty much unfazed and unapologetic. Yeah. Like they talked to him like way later after this, and he basically insisted that monitoring studies on these prisoners was unnecessary. Right. Like because you know, <laughs> after after we did this terrible thing to them, <laughs> yeah, the least we could do is keep track of them and see if they develop testicular cancer or something right. and like pay for their treatment and try to help them as much as possible. Fuck that. Because we completely blasted their nuts with like fucking radiation and shit. Yeah. Paulson's but this dude like, was like, I don't know why we got to do that. Yeah. Okay. So he seems like a pretty serious asshole. This is far from the only story about the use of prisoners for medical research. Admittedly, I picked this one because it has to do with dick and balls, but yeah. There's a lot of other ones out there, and so as I come across them, I might bring some up again every yeah, once in a while. we always want more dick and ball stories. But the general issue here is that, you know, both at the time and now, prisoners are kind of thought of as disposable. Right. And as less than human. And I think back then, for sure, there was kind of a consensus that, like, we could use prisoners for this thing. Yeah, whereas now this is contested. Back then, it was a consensus. Right, right. But... Even today, like, I feel pretty strongly that prisoners shouldn't be used for studies like this. Yeah. But there are still proponents of studies like this. And there are op-eds basically published in medical journals saying, like, we should go back to doing these kinds of prisoner studies. Right. That say that those laws that protect prisoners now were an overreaction. And that, oh, surely the new experiments we come up with wouldn't be as fucked up right. as this experiment. We, we would have more controls in place, but that we should still be allowed to do these do experiments using prisoners that are medical experiments that don't benefit them. Can't they just set up shop in, like, in, like, Uyghur? Uyghur land? Like, I bet you you can do this in China. I'm sure they're doing it in China. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the United States of fucking America. It's weird how um, scientists, uh, you know, are evil. <laughs> <laughs> scientists are people. Yeah. And that means some of them there's are really... There's a range, there's a diversity of opinion. Some of them are evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There are definitely evil scientists out there. That's yeah. not fake. Uh, but some of them are just, you know, kind of morally gray like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. you're gray-haired, you sexy man. That's all, all of my morality is in my hair. Ooh. All right. All morality, right, everybody. Your morality looks really good today. Oh, oh. Hello. Hey. Okay. Okay, guys, that was our first episode of Side Quests. Hope you guys liked it. Okay, we'll probably sprinkle them in now and again as I build up these kinds of stories. Should we make, like, D&D names for these episodes? What does that look like? Well, like when we start the episode, instead of just being Nathan and Sean, I'd be like, oh. I'd be like, I am Shimon Quakerbottom, a paladin of the Preapishona. Oh, nice, and dude! Then, you got a lot of stuff in there. And then what are you? I'm Nux yeah. Vomica. <laughs> okay, yeah, I didn't actually. <laughs> 
I am Nux Vomica. I am Nux Vomica. Yes, and this is Side Quest Part 1. A half elf. <laughs> and I am your lovely cock wench. Whoa, shit. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. My father was a hamster. We need to, we need to stop. <laughs> this has gone you, too far. Do you like movies? <laughs> Are you just Sean Connery? Have you seen, have you seen me in the raw? <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> what's, what's, his, what's his line that you love so much from The Rock? <laughs> it's a, uh, do your best. <laughs> Losers do their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> Rita was a <the> prom queen. <laughs> that's, uh, beautiful. That's a good movie. Yep, yep. Okay, guys. Thank you, Stacy, a sound lord engineer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Thank you, Griffin. For art. Yep. Okay, look. We got a Gmail address you can reach out to us at. It's petridishpod at gmail.com. You can do at dish podcast on Twitter to hit us up as well. And then patreon.com slash petridish in case you want to be giving us dollars. Good Go talk. get him, Tiger. We did it. We did it, okay? Ooh. It's beautiful. See you guys Adios. later. Bye. Da 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 da